Welcome to a new episode of Glitter and Grief. In this one we are calling Grieving Through the Pandemic. And I'm Gretchen. And we met because we have shared tragedies. Yes. Gretchen, tell about yours. So I lost my daughter, Bailey, um, January 12th, 2020, to a very rare and a very aggressive ovarian cancer. She had just turned 21. And I lost Andy. February 21st, 2020, just a month later, Mm. uh, in a car accident. So Mm -hmm. we have a lot of mutual friends and, but we did not know each other until our, uh, we were introduced to each other after the deaths of our children. Right. And we've experienced grief through this pandemic and really, um, we started experiencing, we both experienced some loss in 2019 Mm -hmm. in different ways. Um, We had a granddaughter that was Andy's daughter that was seven months old and a beautiful, healthy uh, baby girl who was crawling and laughing and uh, she did not wake up the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So, you know, that was at the end of 2019, and we had, um, you know, we had no idea what the future was going to hold, and then just 88 days later, Andy died uh, in a car accident. Mm -hmm. So, we have experienced grief, Mm -hmm. you know, not during a pandemic, and then really at the onset of one. Right. Your grief really started in 2019 as well. It, it definitely did. My grief started, um, Bailey was diagnosed. Um, we had emergency surgery on May 3rd, 2019, um, where um, they had to remove a large tumor, including her right ovary fallopian tube. And we learned at that point that it was definitely cancer because they had found metastasis um, to some of her lymph nodes, um, which was all removed at the surgery. Um, it was about two weeks though, before we got the final path reports back, um, which we learned she had a very, um, very rare, very aggressive form of ovarian cancer, small cell ovarian cancer, hypercalcemic type that affects, um, young women, um, teenagers and even children. And it is. And I think when mm-hmm. you say ovarian cancer to mm-hmm. someone like me, I, I didn't realize that there were different types of ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the same with breast cancer. Yes. That there are. So because someone says they have ovarian cancer, mm-hmm. it doesn't, they're not all the same. Correct. Correct. They're not all the same. Um, um, but we, once we, you know, learned what she had, um, there's really no proven treatment, no proven cure. Um, 
the prognosis is is not encouraging. Um, there are a few survivors, but not a lot. Um, so yes, I, I began grieving early. Um, and I think that I think that one thing that we shared in common in 2019 is that we were watching our children grieve mm-hmm. and suffer. You know, I was watching Andy yes. have to bury his mm-hmm. own child at the age of 23, and I was so broken for him mm-hmm. uh, because I just, I just watching him and the heaviness of that was so difficult. And I'm sure you watching your daughter physically suffer mm-hmm. and um, had to be so difficult as a parent. It, it was it was horrendous. Um, absolutely horrendous. You know, not only did we watch her physically suffer um, with the brutal chemotherapy treatments that she was being given, but we watched her emotionally suffer. Um, You know, she was um, really living her best life at the time of her diagnosis, and um, she had to be yanked from that life um, in order to, to try to get treatment to try to survive this cancer. And, um, you know, not only was she missing her friends and missing her normal life, but she was, um, you know, faced with a lot of anxiety and fear of, you know, what the next treatment was going to bring. Was this going to work? Um, yeah, Maureen, it was, it was absolutely horrendous to watch. And I think that, you know, just a few, you know, a few weeks into or just a couple weeks for you into 2020, Mm -hmm. um, Bailey lost her battle Mm -hmm. with cancer and Andy, uh, you know, was in the car accident on February 21st. And I think that, you know, through this pandemic, we I know that we talked about we both felt grateful that we were able to have their Mm -hmm. services and a celebration of their life um, with all of the support Mm -hmm. and the family and the friends. Yes. Because as isolating as grief is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which we really, we had no idea. Mm -hmm. We had no idea what the next few weeks were going to look like. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was such a, for us, we've said multiple times, what a blessing. We feel mm-hmm. very grateful that we were able to have the support of yes. family and friends. Yes, absolutely. We feel the same way. And, and I've even take that a step further in that, you know, um, if, if this is what had to happen to our family um, and Bailey's eight and a half month battle with, can- with cancer, um, I am grateful that the majority of that battle took place in 2019, um, prior to COVID um, coming along, um, as we were already completely stressed out and very worried about her. I can only imagine how traumatic and the increased anxiety that not only Bailey, but myself would have felt with COVID being a factor and, and I feel a for those families. People. Yeah. There's so many people that have had to continue mm-hmm. the battle through 2020. Yes. I know. Yes. I actually know some of those families and, um, I, I, 
my heart just aches for what they've had to deal with, with COVID, with their own children being very sick with well, cancer. And I know that one time you said to me, um, you said that, you know, your daughter was 20 when mm-hmm. she was began fighting mm-hmm. uh, this ovarian cancer. And you said that, you know, there were times where she was not in a great place mentally, Mm -hmm. uh, as far as making decisions for herself. Yeah. You know, she's just a kid. She's still just a kid, but in in the medical world, Mm -hmm. she's an adult. So, Mm -hmm. you know, some people are having to deal with, have had to deal with their kids going into appointments without someone, which is so just seems so cruel Yeah. on top of just an already devastating mm-hmm. situation. Right. Right. I'm, yeah, I, I am just so grateful that we did not have to face that. I, it was such a, uh, such a terrible experience. Even what we went through, I can only imagine. Um, what that would have been like. And I think, you know, Tommy, Tommy lost a friend just a few weeks after Andy Mm -hmm. and he died just very unexpectedly. And they limited the number of people Mm -hmm. that were allowed to come to the funeral. They they really didn't enforce it, Mm -hmm. but they had live streamed it and they mm-hmm. had encouraged people to, um, you know, that they could only have a certain number of people there. And it just really broke my heart for, yeah. you know, their siblings and mm-hmm. parents because it's just so difficult. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you remember, um, what you were doing when the lockdown started? Yes, I was actually on spring break uh, when we got word that we would be, you know, going into lockdown and that the schools were um, going to be closing or switching to to remote learning. Um, We had um, gone on a vacation. I felt that was very important after, um, Bailey went to heaven that the four of us get away for spring break and, and try to have some fun. Um, Which seems so, you know, when you look back mm-hmm. on it, you're just so grasping at straws trying yes. to, trying to keep some sort of just commute, just mm-hmm. have your family together. Right. And continuing to live mm-hmm. when nothing is normal. Right. Right. So we got word while we were on that trip. Um, and so when we returned from the trip is basically when we were pretty much in full on lockdown. The kids were not going to school. My son was, you know, at Mississippi State. Mississippi State was switching to all remote learning. Uh, he wasn't going back. The dorm was closed. Um, oh, yes, because they mm-hmm. had a certain number of days to get their things right. out. That's right. Right. Um, you know, my daughter's school, um, closed and went to remote learning. Um, you know, as a healthcare provider, I was still working. Um, but 
even my hours were even limited, you know, for the first few weeks of it. Were they mm-hmm. seeing, were you seeing a lot of patients or very few at that time? We weren't seeing any at that you time. You weren't seeing any. Um, I know for us, uh, Andy and Tommy had planned to go skiing over mm-hmm. spring break uh, at my brother's. He lives mm-hmm. in Denver. And I was, Olivia had been invited to go to the beach with her friends. And so Joe and I planned a last minute trip to mm-hmm. go to the beach. We said, let's just get out of Dodge for a mm-hmm. few days. And so we, we planned to go. And then the night before Tommy was to get on a plane, they shut down the slopes. So we said, just come with us. We had rented a small mm-hmm. little place. And um, so we, we took off for mm-hmm. the beach. And while we were down there, the lockdown started Mm -hmm. and the businesses were Mm -hmm. shut down and what was considered an essential business versus what wasn't right. I own a company and, um, you know, we do a lot of construction projects and had stuff, you know, later in the year in the works, but we really had to make some very quick decisions, um, Mm -hmm. business wise that, uh, I'm, you know, I look back and I'm not even sure how we were able to talk through and make the decisions we need to, to make to, cause we manufacture as well. So we had, mm-hmm. and we do a lot of healthcare. So mm-hmm. we were providing things for the hospitals mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I was so grateful that number one, we immediately switched to remote mm-hmm. and, that we were able to keep what we could going. Right. Um, not knowing that it was going to be as long as mm-hmm. it was. We ended up staying in Florida for a couple more weeks out than we had planned uh, because, you know, we were fortunate to have a friend who had a place and said, just go there. Mm-hmm. And really, at the time, everyone was isolating. And there were supposed to be no large gatherings. Mm-hmm. And we figured that it would be a little bit easier being out of town to do that because we just, I knew my peop- my kids needed their people and keeping them away from that was mm-hmm. going to be really difficult. And for us, it was a nice time for the four of us to really just be together, mm-hmm. just be together. And I'm, really grateful for that. Mm -hmm. So then when we came back, um, you know, how, how did you, how were you with your kids? Did you, cause you know, we've just experienced Mm -hmm. this horrendous Mm -hmm. loss ourselves and you know, there was so much fear Mm -hmm. about what was happening. How did you feel, you know, about that with your kids? Well, you know, initially, as as a healthcare provider, initially I was trying to follow, you know, all of the CDC, um, you know, recommendations to try to mitigate the virus, um, and um, you know, so that we could keep our office open as well. I mean, we didn't want to pregnant. We knew pregnant women would be very um, potentially affected by the COVID virus, so. 
we um, we were trying. I mean, myself, all the people I was working with were all trying to, you know, follow all the social distancing and whatnot guidelines. Um, when I said we weren't seeing any patients at that time, uh, I meant we weren't seeing any COVID-19 at that time. We were still seeing, um, obviously, our pregnant patients in the office. But uh, a lot of the well woman visits, those patients, you know, were afraid to come in and that kind of thing. So basically, we were only seeing problem visits in our OB patients. Um, but what happened, what ended up happening in, in my life was, you know, several weeks in, you know, here I was a grieving mother, um, trying to be back at work, um, trying to be, you know, looking out for my children whose lives have just been, you know, um, turned upside down again with this pandemic, um, and shutting their schools down and socially them becoming socially isolated. Um, it, it led me into a lot of, a lot of anxiety. Um, and, you know, at some point mid to late April, I just kind of, you know, I kind of basically broke, broke down one day and, and, even called a friend of mine and just said, you know, I just can't do this anymore. I can't, I'm not going to be able to sit in this house and, you know, not do anything normal anymore. And, and thankfully she pretty much felt that same way. And, um, you know, we did all get out of the house that night and go and spend some time with our friends and, and we spent it on the patio and we were reasonable about that. But, um, we made a kind of decision from that point on that, you know, we, we were going to continue to get together with our friends that, you know, as, as a grieving family, we all needed that human contact. And I, I mean, I think for us, you know, we, we had decided to go ahead and let, uh, Tommy mm -hmm. go on the ski trip. And, you know, there were, there was a lot of people talking about not going on planes mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and, and before we left. And I remember Joe and I saying, we felt like it was important to continue for them to live because mm -hmm. we certainly knew what it was like for our lives to be stopped in an yeah. instant. True. And so we wanted them to live and we kind of, so I think deciding that, you know, almost immediately mm -hmm. maybe helped us in some mm -hmm. way. Uh, but so when we came back from Florida, uh, you know, we had kids here. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't keep them away from their friends. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it was, for me, it was comforting. You know, we have a fire pit in mm -hmm. back and Tommy would have a lot of friends here you know, not, not a crowd, but just a few close friends here, a lot of nights. And for me, it was comforting listening to their mm -hmm. laughter and the music. And, you know, I appreciated my neighbors, mm -hmm. you know, being maybe cutting us some slack during that mm -hmm. time. Cause I know in some other neighborhoods mm -hmm. and even other right. parts of our neighborhood, I think people call the police on mm -hmm. small gatherings. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, for us, important mm -hmm. to have that they have their people. I was more concerned at that point with them because I was, I wanted to be isolated. So for mm -hmm. me, I almost felt like the world had become a cocoon 
and that uh, the world was stopping, slowing, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to go to work every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I could just think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'd say I spent so much time thinking. And I don't know what was really going through my head, but I <laughs> spent a lot of time thinking mm-hmm. during those days. I think I must have been thinking, how has this happened to us? Yeah. I mean, how did we become yeah. this family? I think I was still in shock. And I, I know that sounds a little crazy after an eight and a half battle with cancer and knowing that the, you know, the prognosis was not in our favor from the beginning from basically the beginning, but I think that I was still, I, I had, I, I, again, I look back on that time. I'm not really sure what was going on <laughs> a lot of days either. I think I was still in shock. Um, like you said that, how did this happen? Why did this happen to my family? Um, but I, I, Yes, I was very worried about my other two children being isolated and um, very concerned about the effects of that. You know, one thing that was interesting, Tommy was away, six hours away in Knoxville Mm -hmm. um, when, you know, we we had to, that was horrible getting Mm -hmm. our kids home. Mm -hmm. Um, But after Andy's funeral... We didn't care if he went back or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just like, do you send your Mm -hmm. child back to deal with this? And the Mm -hmm. school was fantastic. Mm -hmm. They were like, whatever you need, we'll do, which, you know, I just really appreciated. But he said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to make it to spring break. Then, you know, I'll come back. We'll go with you. And then I'll just Mm -hmm. have a few more weeks when I get back. Well, of course, he came back, and they never went back right. after spring break, which was both nice, mm-hmm. but also, you know, they really, I think, I think as young adults, mm-hmm. I think our kids and, you know, both our girls were in high school, mm-hmm. I think for them, having that social mm-hmm. was very helpful, and yeah. having a routine that all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think our kids probably experiencing this grief, mm-hmm. right, and then the whole world changed has to be a whole nother layer of yeah, yeah. Hard. I I I completely agree. I completely agree, and it and it did. It was definitely a worry of mine all during that time, you know, I wanted my kids. And like I said, eventually I just said, you know what, we're just not going to be able to do this anymore. <laughs> you know, we're going to, we are going to allow them to have friends over. Uh, we are going to go meet with friends. I mean, you know, in a reasonable sort of fashion, but, um, you know, trying to do most things outside. Cause again, as a healthcare provider, I still felt a lot of responsibility to be, to be very cautious and safe, but it, like I said, a few weeks in, it became very clear that as a grieving mother and a grieving family, that this social isolation could could very well be detrimental to my family. So do you, you know, it's interesting to think back on now that we made the decisions as a country that we made mm-hmm. um, just in, 
at that time, for sure, the it looked like the people who were most affected affected were older. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, you know, I look back now and I think how, what, what would it have been very different had they just been able to continue going mm-hmm. to school for as long as they could? I mean, mm-hmm. wouldn't that have helped the stage of the mental be, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so, there's so much anxiety yeah. now and mental health issues. I think yes, that, there is. Yeah. I think all the healthcare providers that we've talked to have said they've never seen, mm-hmm. they've never seen anything like this. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, I, w- I was on a podcast a few months ago, or actually it's probably been more longer than that with a woman who lost her son to in a mm-hmm. car accident. He was 14 and she is a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. And she had talked about the number of suicide that she has had to, you know, she's never, ever had to deal with that in her practice. And she said, it's just frightening. Yeah. Which, you know, as two parents who lost their children, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to cancer and to a car accident, it seems that one seems like to be just another layer of Mm -hmm. so difficult Mm -hmm. and um, just unfair that maybe had Mm -hmm. the circumstances been different, they wouldn't have experienced that. Right. Right. No, I agree. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, we talked about being so grateful that we were able to experience funerals Mm -hmm. with our children and you know where we could have people to support us do you think we talked a little bit about how uh our view of death has changed Mm -hmm. yes i mean my my view of death definitely has changed um particularly in regards to, to to myself um you know as more and more of the covid um you know pandemic and fear and everything that was going on. Um, you know, I remember having a conversation with my husband and I'm like, well, you know, I, I can't quit living my life. I, I, I don't want my kids to quit living our life. I mean, yes. I mean, I, I do think we need to wear a mask at that point when we were out. Um, but if I got COVID, I just felt like I got COVID, you know, I mean, and if my body wasn't strong enough to fight it off, then, you know, so be it. Um, and I know that may sound a little morbid because um, I certainly would not want to cause any more pain for my other children or, or my husband. Um, but uh, no, I, I think I used to have a fear of dying. Um, I certainly did. I don't really know why I did, but I did. Um but I'm not afraid to die anymore. Um, you know, I know where I'm going. I know where my daughter is and it would be, um, you know, I would be reunited with her. Um, Joe and I had a very mm -hmm. similar conversation and, you know, it's been interesting because the pandemic has brought out so such fear in people Mm -hmm. and in, in, our case, 
um, you know, especially, I guess, experiencing two just yeah. so unexpected deaths in such a short time, it, it didn't, it didn't shake my faith. It really made me have to rely on my faith, mm -hmm. but it also made me think we sh we're all going to die. Mm -hmm. And how do I want to spend the rest of my life? Um, you know, I want, I really wanted to spend it making the days count. And I did not want to, I did not want to spend it being fearful. I wanted to spend it with people I loved. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see them. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be with them. And I think that anyone who experiences, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's cancer or a car accident or an overdose or suicide or any, mm -hmm. any number of thousands of ways people die is I, I'm trying to learn to be that I'm going to be, I want to be okay here because mm -hmm. I know I'll be okay. There. Right. Right. And so it is learning to be okay, no matter what mm -hmm. the will of God is. Mm hmm. And I, I think that that's, um, that's definitely an ongoing process, you know, for me in this too, is, um, you know, um, suffering is inevitable in, in this life. Um, Why and, didn't we get the memo? I did yeah, not get the memo. Know. I mean, you know, I, I certainly knew all of that was, you know, written for us, but I just didn't ever think it would look like this for me. Maybe that was the problem. I just, I don't think any of us ever think that it can be our child, you know. Um, yeah, but I am, I, I agree with you. I do want to, and I want my kids to, I want us to continue to live our life, um, to live a good life to um, still have adventures, to still have fun, um, to make to make this life count as much as you can, because you're right, and, and to learn to be okay here, to learn to be okay here when things aren't always okay. Um, because you're right, we know we'll be okay there. there. Right. I think that uh, it's been so interesting, because we, we are in a group with other grieving mothers and or mothers who have lost young adult children mm -hmm. and they are fearless mm -hmm. in a way they are su it's such a beautiful group mm -hmm. that really knows the depths of you know what loss really feels like yeah. and means and yet they are the most open and compassionate and non-judgmental group. Yes, definitely. And that has been such an incredible, mm -hmm. uh, just source of, just maybe it's a perspective and a reality check is that I think in this pandemic that everybody wants control. And in reality, we don't have control. No. And that's been... Yeah. Um, that's been humbling mm -hmm. and at the same time, sometimes heartbreaking. Definitely. So Gretchen, we called this, um, podcast, the name of the whole podcast is 
glitter and grief mm-hmm. because uh, glitter is messy and yet beautiful. Uh, and we are going through this journey of grief together. Do you, do you think that through the pandemic, there's been some glitter in this journey? I do. I do think that there has been um, some of the beautiful aspect of glitter and the fact that, you know, um, we we were able to eventually be together with friends and, and have that support and that normalcy. Um, and, you know, and then there was the messy part for us, too, of, of initially, like I said, a lot of isolation, which, you know, just in my opinion, certainly was not healthy for a grieving mom and a grieving family. And it's been really, uh, I don't know how I would have responded had I not been able to have the groups that we had. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, a lot of them, some of them through the grief grief center were on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And that was really helpful to Mm -hmm. even look. It wasn't, I... I would have much preferred to be in person, yeah. but it was the best of the circumstances right. that they offered um, as far as that goes. But uh, I think that the beauty in it for me was that, you know, I got to isolate and take a step back um, and still let my family do what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, through each of our journey, you have to do what's in the best interest of your family. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that may be bending the rules Mm -hmm. because I think when you go through something as difficult as losing a child or a sibling, um, you have to, you have to figure out the best way Mm -hmm. to move forward. And I appreciated all of the people that mm-hmm. gave us some grace and some, uh, just some passes mm-hmm. on maybe not being quite so strict with some mm-hmm. of the rules. Yeah, I definitely think you know, as grieving grieving parents and and grieving siblings or or you know whatever kind of loss you're grieving, I think that um, there doesn't need to be an extended period of isolation. Um, you know, we we need. You need human contact. We need each other. We need to be able to, you know, look somebody in the eyes, share the hug, share the pat on the arm, and just be that, you know, physical support. Well, this has been another episode of Glitter and Grief, and we look forward to uh, sharing more of our story with you next time. Definitely.